All right, this is Steeler Country. I'm your host, Tony. No podcast for the last two weeks. I apologize for that, but let's do a double podcast. Let's talk about both the Bengals and the Lions games. Uh, we'll start with Cincinnati. The Steelers win that game 29-14 to over Cincinnati in what was largely an extension of the Kansas City Chiefs game, right? Uh, this was a, very much a continuation of run the ball, play defense. The defense didn't play that well in the first half. Uh, they gave up 14 points. But offensively, they got off to a fast start. 20 points in the first half, only punted once. Something, something we've wanted to see from this offense uh, all year. And they finally kind of got going. Uh, and, and unlike in Kansas City, where they kind of struggled to score and struggled to put up points, they really got out uh, and put up 20 points uh, in the first half. In the second half, the defense started to settle in. They got those turnovers. They were holding uh, the Bengals to three and out in every possession and really capped off by Dalton throwing it away on that fourth down uh, at the end of the game. But then on offense, you know, in that, in that second half, the offense kind of struggled. Not necessarily struggling moving the ball, but struggling to score touchdowns in the second half. And, and that's really been the story of the season, right, is this offense just kind of struggling or stalling out at right around 20 points, right, and, and letting teams hang around. It happened in this game against Cincinnati that, you know, the score was 20 to 14 and then 23 to 14 and 26 to 14. And it just kind of stayed around there. And you just felt like, God, if, you know, again, if Cincinnati scores any points, you know, it's back to being a one score game. And, you know, just never felt like the Steelers had really put this game away. But let there be no doubt, right? This was the best offensive performance, the most points we put up. Uh, is there room for improvement? Absolutely. Yes. They need to score touchdowns. Um, they need to stop kicking so many field goals. But, to their, to their credit, and I talked about this in the last podcast against Kansas City, right? Finding an identity is hard, especially for a team like the Steelers who came into the year with such high expectations of, of scoring, you know, 30 points a game and being this high-flying offense. They've really found their identity, and it is in Le'Veon Bell. It is in running the football. It's what they were successful in last year, and they've kind of extended that out to this year. Um, you know, the, the rest of the offense has kind of opened up from there. Defensively, there were some cracks in the first half, no doubt about it. The defense called it, you know, miscommunication, but there were just too many guys open. Uh, too many guys open for Dalton in the middle of the field and, and allowing big third down conversions and big plays on third down. It was third and six. Third and eight, we were allowing 20, 15, you know, 25-yard uh, plays on third down. That can't happen. But but coming out of this game, you know, what, what we realized coming out of Cincinnati, uh, the game against Cincinnati, is that Kansas City was not a fluke, right? What happened against Kansas City wasn't a one-time thing. It wasn't just, oh, we have Kansas City's number, which you heard a lot throughout the week. You go back to this to this season, and really the three biggest wins of the season are are at Baltimore, a place that the Steelers hadn't won in forever. Then at Kansas City, you know, Kansas City, the best team in football at that point, hadn't lost a game yet. And then the home game against Cincinnati, a Cincinnati team that not necessarily great, uh, but you know, on on the rise and, and was looking a lot better after they got that new offensive coordinator. And those three wins were all characterized the same way, which is you know, Le'Veon Bell running the football and playing great defense. Now, coming out of that game, there, you know, to me, there were still question marks, right? And there are three question marks. And I think there's going to be three question marks for this team for the entire rest of the season, right? Number one, what if we can't run the football, right? What if we're facing a team that is very good against the run and we have to throw? Um, and similarly, that's my second thing here is like, what if we get behind early, right? What if this team is not able to score points early and gets behind? It gets behind big, right? 14 nothing, 17 nothing, or 17 to 3 or something like that, right? Where they're behind by a significant margin. We saw that a little bit against Chicago, right? They were down in that game. What was it? 17 to 7. Um, they were able to, to claw back. You know, I, I'm interested in seeing that again because that was a game where just kind of everything went wrong. Um, and I'm interested in seeing that in kind of a game where less, less of flukiness and more of, you know, a team coming out there and really able to maybe expose some things defensively. 
um, or, or just get this offense in, in some three and outs. And then the third thing is, is what happens if we play a great quarterback, right? The, yes, this team has benefited largely throughout the year of not playing great quarterbacks. Really, outside of Alex Smith, they've just been playing, you know, the who's who of mediocre or backup quarterbacks. Uh, and that takes us really into, into the Lions game. The Steelers win that game 20 to 15. Um, in a game where really the Steelers defense is finally challenged, right? We finally faced that strong arm top five quarterback who can make all the throws and challenge this defense. This is not a slight to Alex Smith, right? I think Alex Smith was probably playing the best football of any quarterback coming into the game against the Steelers. And he has played well, but he hasn't been the type of quarterback that's really given this defense fits, right? He's not the guy who's going to, who's going to be able to throw into a cover two and find those open windows. Um, he's more, you know, he's more of a game manager type and he's been doing better this year about, about going downfield, but certainly, uh, you know, the Steelers play the kind of defense that will give him some problems. Stafford, however, is the kind of big, strong on quarterback who can make those outside throws into a cover two window, uh, and, and find and exploit the, the parts of this zone that weren't working. <laughs> in, in a lot of ways, I don't even know what to think about this game, right? Because defensively, it was terrible. 500 yards of total offense, 400 of that coming through the air. Um, you know, the, the worst defensive performance we've had all year, but it was effective, right? We only gave up five field goals. And offensively, you know, we went right back to shooting ourselves in the foot at every chance we got. You know, and let's start with, with the offense uh, in this game. You know, they weren't able to run the ball with the kind of success that they've had throughout the year, right? Uh, averaging around three yards a carry. Uh, but they didn't get away from it, which I liked. You know, there are 26 runs in this game between Le'Veon and Connor uh, and, and 31 passes. So we, we threw the ball more than we ran it, but we didn't get away from we, it. Didn't, it didn't get to the Jacksonville level of just throwing the running game out the door and, and throwing the ball, you know, seemingly every down um, when the running game wasn't working, which is good, right? You want to keep that identity of running the football. It doesn't have to be every single down, and, and we can kind of shift the balance there a little bit. But you know, this offense is still at times struggling. Mean, not at times. This offense is all the time struggling to finish drives. You have the Eli Rogers drop in the back of the end zone on that first drive on a sure thing touchdown. Then you have Ben's really dumb interception on the floater in triple coverage to AB. Made no sense, right? It's the kind of like, Ben, what are you thinking type play that we've seen probably too often this year. Yet Le'Veon's fumble on third and one, very uncharacteristic of him. Only his second fumble of his career, his last one coming against the Giants last year. Then you had AB's offensive pass interference in the end zone. All of those in Lions territory, you know, scoring opportunities either in the red zone, they were, you know, touchdowns or missed opportunities uh, that this this team had. The game was close all the way through, but offensively, you know, they really had their chances. You go back to those four possessions, right? Two of those ending in turnover, two of those ending in field goals. They had their chances to build an early lead. Now, the story offensively coming out of this game is, of course, going to be about Juju, right? This is not new. This is not new. We know Juju's the number two receiver, but this is this is just a big stage given that opportunity to make those plays. And if you've been watching this this team all year, you know. Juju Smith-Schuster has been the number two option for a little while now. He has certainly been the second best wide receiver on this team. And with Martavis' suspension, he was given a real chance in that spotlight. And he shined. Absolutely shined. Right from the word go. First play, fake bubble screen down the sideline. Juju for a big a big gainer. He had a couple more. And then, of course, there's the game-breaking 97-yard touchdown. No one who watched film on this guy in college would have expected him to make that play. It's not just the speed, right? And the speed was was amazing because, again, he was stride for stride with every one of those defensive backs who a lot of 
people coming out of, when he came out of college thought he didn't have this kind of breakaway speed to keep up with some of those faster guys in the secondary, but he does. But he's also got that strength, right? When when guys had angles, guys had chances to tackle him, but he was able to kind of run through those tackles and the elusiveness to understand those angles and get away from them. And he had the will to score on that play. We'll talk about Martavis later in the podcast, but Juju is the number two receiver. He is the number two wide receiver on this team. And I don't mean that like he's going to play the Z or the X. I mean, he is the second best wide receiver, should be the number two option at wide receiver on this team. He has all the skills to not just be good. He can be great, right? This is his first chance to really shine. He has that it factor. This was a Sunday night football game. This was on a national stage. This was with, you know, all this controversy around Martavis and how is Juju going to respond? And again, Juju was kind of called out by Martavis. And he comes up big in these big moments. Those are the kind of players that, you know, you can you see them early in their career kind of have a game like this, and you, it just kind of uh, expands as their career goes on. I'm very excited that the Steelers have a, a guy like Juju uh, behind A.B. Because, again, having that number two receiver now with Martavis not playing that well this year uh, is something that we talked about last year as being lacking in the offense. It may not, it may not be lacking so much this year. Now, we still need to talk about the Steelers' offense uh, and the, really the lack of a killer instinct that they have. Talked about it a little bit against against Cincinnati. They just kind of let them hang around a little bit too long, not scoring touchdowns, scoring field goals when you had opportunities to really drive the stake. And again, in this game, yeah, they're just not putting it away, right? 20 to 15, and, you know, they leave every game so late. After the Juju touchdown, the Steelers get a gift fumble, and they they have the ball. They have a chance now after a turnover to go down, to make the score 27, uh, at that point it would have been, what, 27 to, to 12 or 27 to 15, whatever it would have been, right? The game would have been largely out of reach. And they go 3-0. and out. And then they get the ball back. Okay, still an opportunity to put this game away. You have the ball. Let's let's move the ball. Let's, let's score some points, put the game away. Nope, they go 6-0. and out. You know, 27 to 15, the game is over. The game is absolutely over. 27 or 23 to 15 means at the very least overtime because all the all the Lions could get was a touchdown and a two-point conversion, but it probably guarantees victory the way that the Lions were struggling in the red zone. Again, you know, it, it's it's something to consider going forward with this with this team is their inability late in games, and it has not come back to bite them just yet, but their inability late in games offensively to close it out. When the defense is playing well and not allowing points, and that offense has the ball and they're ready to just put the game away. They have not yet been able to do it. I know Kansas City, people are going to go Kansas City, Kansas City. Kansas City was like a game saver. You had to have that touchdown. Um, but again, that happened with like five minutes to go. They had so many times in the second half of Kansas City to really put that game away in the third quarter uh, that they couldn't do. And they wait, you know, it was five minutes to go in the fourth quarter before they really came up with, you know, what was a gigantic play with a little bit of luck behind it. All right, let's, let's shift uh, focus. Let's talk about the defensive performance. Stafford started out slow in this game, right? They, they went three and out a couple times. The, the Steelers got defense, got some stops, but he found a rhythm in the second quarter and he just got going and really in the second half, absolutely was on fire. The Steelers never came out of their cover two, cover three shell, and Stafford was able to pick it apart all night. This is by far the worst Steelers defensive performance. 500 yards total offense, 400 of those through the air. It really shows Tomlin and Keith Butler's weaknesses against this type of quarterback. They get into this idea of we want to drop seven or eight into coverage more than normal, right? We're going to kind of play this 
We're going to put too many guys in, in the zone, and he won't be able to pick it apart. And it you know, just doesn't work. It didn't work against Brady in, in the AFC Championship game last year. It didn't work against Stafford in this game. Artie got picked on. It was his worst game that he's had all year. Mike Mitchell got picked on. He went out with injury at one point. The pass rush never really got there as the game went on or didn't get there with any sort of consistency, not the kind of consistency that we've seen. They were starting Brian Mahalik, I believe, at, at left or, or right tackle. Uh, Mahalik is a guy who was on the Steelers during training camp. They know him. Uh, they cut him. You would have thought that they would have attacked, attacked, attacked his side of the field all game. They really didn't. Instead, they were dropping Watt into coverage a lot and, and leaving Bud as the, the, the single outside linebacker uh, rushing on, on every play. And Bud, you know, to his detriment, kind of showed he's still a one-trick pony, right? He's that speed rush guy. And if, if he's not beating you on a speed rush, he's not beating you. He's not getting there. I'm not going to say the defense got exposed. They didn't. They did not get exposed. This is not something that, oh, well, now every team's going to do this to us, right? It did show that they have flaws. But I can't even say that this was a bad performance, right? They only gave up five field goals. At the end of the day, all the yards, all, all of the, the, the miscommunication, guys wide open, big plays that the Steelers defense gave up, they only gave up five field goals. They only gave up 15 points. And how crazy is it, by the way, that in the same calendar year now, the Steelers have won a playoff game on the road by only scoring field goals, and then they've won a game on the road by giving up 500 yards to the opponent but holding them to only field goals. Very strange. Very weird. Very weird. I don't want to be results-oriented here, right? I I can't say, well, you know, we held them to five field goals, so it's a good defensive performance. It was a successful defensive performance, but not a good one. Again, I don't want to be results-oriented because giving up 500 yards against a team is going to come back to bite us, right? If we're giving up 500 yards a game, they're not just going to be kicking five field goals going forward. Yes, it happened in this game, but that doesn't mean it's going to happen in the next one, right? So we don't want to, you don't want to get into that mindset of, well, this was a good one because we only gave up five, so we'll just, we're just going to sweep this one under the rug. This is not one that we can replicate going forward. The Steelers defense still has not given up 20 points in regulation. We're eight weeks in. That does mean something. And I'm not going to, I'm not going to take away uh, what they did in this game, stopping the Lions in the red zone. I'm not going to take away from that. They had two game-saving goal line stands. And the last one, Javon Hargrave had the play of the game. Getting pressure up the middle, uh, getting pressure on Stafford. He could have, he should have thrown a pick six if, if Shazier catches that and runs it the other way. Those plays count. Those plays matter, and they did matter in this game. But if we're projecting this out, if we're projecting this team out, and we're saying that they're a Super Bowl contender, are we going to be able to play like this against the best of the best in January and come away only giving field goals? We're not. We're not, right? This Again, like I said, this is not a game we can replicate in January. Now, lucky for the Steelers, these quarterbacks, you know, they don't really exist at this point, right? This is a very down year for, for quarterbacks in general, whether it be for injury or just play on the field. But you you look around the league at the, the quarterbacks that you really scare you in, in this type of way, right? It's Tom Brady. It's Matt Stafford. It's Carson Wentz. It's Drew Brees. It's Russell Wilson. Maybe a handful of other guys in there who... You know, maybe they could do this to the Steelers, but they're not playing well overall, right? The Matt Ryans, the Phillip Rivers, that those guys. I mean, the list I gave you, that's the, that's the list that really scares you because those are guys who are playing well this year who can do this to us. Now, you know, for the Steelers, they, they will have Tom Brady coming into town in December. So we're going to get a second, we're going to get a second chance at this. We're going to see this again. We'll get one more barometer game 
for this type of offense facing our defense. I, I expect this defense to go back now against the, the caliber opponent they're about to face to being that kind of dominant pass rush uh, type of team, right? Not giving up yards. But that doesn't necessarily mean that in in games like this they're gonna you know they're gonna replicate the kind of success that they're having against bad quarterbacks, right? I, I said earlier this year I I thought with the pass rush that we have it wouldn't really matter who was behind quarterback because they'd be running for their life. But what I didn't expect is that Tomlin and Butler would really pump the brakes on all of that against the against these type of quarterbacks and try to sit back. I don't like that style. I do not like that style. They have to this defense's bread and butter is about attacking. When they're getting pressure, it's hiding all the weaknesses in the secondary. When they're not getting pressure and they're facing a quarterback like Stafford, you're just going to get picked apart. You're just going to get picked apart. So you can certainly, I mean, look, you can certainly expect someone like Stafford to do better than some of the quarterbacks we've faced already this year, right? But we went from giving up 100 yards, 150 yards a game passing to giving up 400, over 400 to Stafford. The difference between those two cannot be that big going forward, right? I expect that when we play Brady or if we, you know, we play some of these other great quarterbacks um, in the in the playoffs or in the Super Bowl, that we will give up more than 150 yards passing to them for for sure, but it can't go from 150 to 400, right? You got it's got to be in the 200s range for this team to be successful. All right, let's talk about Martavis. Once again, coming out of coming out of Cincinnati, um, like he did against Kansas City, the rumors were were there that he was unhappy with his role on the team and unha- and wanted to be traded. Um, that kind of went away during the during the Kansas City week. You know, he said, "Now I'm fine." You know. Steelers, no, we haven't heard this. This is just a rumor, blah, blah, blah. Okay. And then once again after Kansas City, complaining again, this time taking to Instagram. Taking to Instagram to really go at Juju. Juju is nowhere near as good as me. Then deleting the post and saying, Juju's the future. I just want out, blah, blah, blah. Then going to ESPN to clarify all of this before going to Tomlin, before going to Ben. Again, you listen to those press conferences and, and they're Ben and Tomlin are saying, yeah, we haven't heard this. This is, you know, this is stuff that he's not saying to us. There's no apology from Martavis, there's no remorse, and he remains a stealer. Martavis Bryant has shown nothing this season that makes you believe he is still the same person he was two years ago. And this idea that he needs to be included more in the offense is absolutely ludicrous. Juju and Martavis now, at this point, have the same number of snaps, the same number of targets. Juju just caught up this week with my, without Martavis playing. Just to give you an idea that when they were playing up until up until Cincinnati, Martavis had significantly more snaps, significantly more targets. It would you would need Martavis to get, be suspended for a game for Juju to catch up. Okay. So now here we are after the Lions game. They're they're virtually identical in snaps, virtually identical in, in targets. Juju has twenty four catches, four hundred twenty four yards, four touchdowns. Martavis Bryant. 18 catches, 234 yards, one touchdown. Let me reiterate that. The same number of targets as Juju. They have been included in the offense equally. Who's had the impact in the game? Who's been the playmaker? Who's been the wow guy? Included equally. Juju and Martavis. Juju has had real significant impact on games. You could argue that he won the Detroit game for us. Martavis Bryant... What, what is the best game Martavis has had this year? I guess it's the Minnesota game. I guess it's the Minnesota game. That was game two. 
And this kind of me-first attitude that Martavis has, this kind of distraction, it has absolutely no place on this team. We're a team that is emerging in the AFC, emerging as the team to beat in the AFC. We have the best record. If the playoffs started today, we would be home field advantage, right? It's once again in the AFC, the Steelers and the Patriots. Do we need this hanging over us for the next eight games? Is this what you want the Steelers worried about? Do we need to be focused on continuing this winning streak, sealing home field advantage, beating New England in December so that we can play them at home this year in the playoffs? Or do we need to be making sure Martavis is happy and getting his touches? Because again, we're not trading him now. The trade deadline's over. The Steelers made their choice. They're going to keep him. So let me ask you a question. It's third and seven. AB's out of the game. Your two receivers are Juju and Martavis. Who do you want the ball to go to? I mean, it's not, it's not even a choice, right? It, the choice is so simple. And honestly, the trade deadline was so simple. We should have traded Martavis. You don't need him on this team right now. Again, maybe he's great. And maybe it backfires if you had traded him. But is it worth that risk? Is it worth the risk? Because what we do know about, that you're projecting that he's going to be a great player in games 9 through 16. Right? That's what you're projecting. But I'm not projecting the fact that Martavis, for two weeks in a row, two wins in a row, the Steelers' biggest win of the season against Kansas City. And what happens after that game? Does he come out and say, wow, I'm so happy that we're winning these games? No, he comes out and says, I don't like my role here, even though we just beat the only undefeated team left. And then the very next week, oh, it's all good. We're good. We're good. We're fine. We're fine. And, you know, the, it comes out, you know, that, that oh, he's going to get a, he's going to get a higher percentage of the ball. You know, he's going to get more involved in the offense this week. He, he has one catch for three yards and an end around that goes nowhere. And, he, and the, again, the Steelers win that game. Their biggest win of the season, points wise, or their, I'm sorry, they score the most points they've scored offensively, right? Their best offensive performance. And what does Martavis say after the game? Well, I wasn't included. I, I want out. You know, I want out. Just give me what I want. This team is playing at a high level right now. They're as good as anyone in the AFC, if not better. They have a winning formula. That formula has not included Martavis and Bryant. It has not. And I would not have been sad to see Martavis Bryant go at this point. Because I really do believe, and, and it showed a lot against Detroit, that in a lot of ways, this team is better without him. Juju is certainly better without him. All right, let's, let's move on. Let's talk about the last eight games of the year. We're in the middle of our bye week. This comes at a good time because we have some injuries to Tewitt and um, Sean Davis and, and Mike Mitchell and some guy and Marcus Gilbert, guys who you'd want to get back. Um, Le'Veon has seen, you know, extended carries over these past three games. Uh, good to get him some time off. There's some trap games left, right? There are some trap games left. If you look at this, what the Steelers did in weeks one through eight, right, it is... Playing successfully against games against teams that are good, right? The, the best two teams record-wise, excuse me, record-wise that the Steelers played were Minnesota and Kansas City, and they won those games, and, and pretty much won those games convincingly, right? The two losses that they've had at Chicago and against Jacksonville, very weird games, very uncharacteristic of the other six games that the, the Steelers had played this year, right? The, the Bears game, just everything that can go wrong will go wrong, and then Jacksonville, I mean, basically... Just the dumbest thing you've ever seen. Ben throws five interceptions. Uh, two of them return for touchdowns. The Steelers go from having the lead, uh, basically forcing the Jaguars to to, uh, to punt, and the next time the Jaguars have the ball, they're up by two touchdowns. Insane. Insane. So let, let's look at these eight games now. We 
we'll play we'll play the entire division again. So the Steelers will play uh, two of those division games at home. Uh, Baltimore and, and Cleveland will be home games for the Steelers, and then they'll go to Cincinnati. Now, division games are weird, and division crazy things can happen, but the Steelers should win all three, right? Yes, anything can happen, and the Steelers you know, have been known to blow some of these games, but two of them at home is good. Uh, the at Cincinnati game could be uh, a trap game, but I think there's a reason why the Steelers are, are so far out in the division right now, being two games up on the division, two and a half games when you consider the fact that they've beaten both Cincinnati and Baltimore. Um, they have the talent. They have the talent there. Those, again, should be wins. Then you've got the, the other three another three games of teams just really decimated by injury. Right, all three teams having their starting quarterbacks out for the year. Andrew Luck uh, not going to play for Indy. The Steelers will go to Indianapolis. That'll be the game that comes uh, directly after the bye week. They'll place Green Bay at home again uh, against Brett Hundley. Uh, Aaron Rodgers out the year, and then uh, at Houston Christmas Day, and that's a sad one. Deshaun Deshaun Watson tearing his ACL in practice. So sad, so sad. He really looked special, and, and it would have been fun to, to to match up against a guy like Deshaun Watson, especially in his rookie year. And it could have been that, – that definitely could have been, I think, a preview of whether it's a divisional round game for the Steelers or the AFC Championship game even. I think that the Houston was special this year, uh, and it is sad to watch Deshaun Watson go down that way. But again, you know, now you're facing Jacoby Brissett. You're facing Tom Savage. You're facing Brent Huntley. Those are – you know, again, those are the kind of teams – that the Steelers have been pretty successful about as long as they're not doing stupid things. Um, so you look at the, the entire division. If you win all those, that's three wins. That brings you to nine. You have those teams decimated by injury that you, again, you should win. That brings you to 12. Even if you drop one of, even if you drop one of those six, you're at 11. And now you go to the playoff teams. Now you go to the two teams that we play that, that will probably also make the playoffs. That's the Tennessee Titans who with, you know, with uh, Houston's in Deshaun Watson injury, Tennessee probably uh, going to go neck and neck with Jacksonville for that division. Play them on a Thursday night. It'll be a home game, but it'll be a Thursday game, so anything can happen there. Um, I think it's a color rush game too, so the Steelers will be wearing their their all black and gold uh, with the gold numbers uniforms. Those are really cool. Those are I saw those in in person last year. I was at the uh, Christmas Day game against the Baltimore Ravens. Those are very cool. Again, you know, uh, the Steelers should probably beat Tennessee, right? Do you really think Mariota's going to pick us apart? I mean, they have a good running game. They certainly have a good running game. So any, any sort of um, a, a, that, that kind of Steelers inability to stop the run could come back to bite us in that game. But should win that game. And then you face New England at home. And that game, that is the game. That is the one to circle, right? I mean, you would have circled two. Coming into this, you would have circled the at Houston game as being another really fun game left. And Green Bay, too, if Aaron Rodgers hadn't gotten hurt, right? The, the, the back half of the schedule is supposed to be, you know, the who's who of playing all the good teams in the in the NFL. Um, just too many injuries and, and, and weird things happening in the NFL this year for that to be the case. Um, so they'll face New England, and that game will probably be for home field advantage. The, the schedule works out for this team. It just does, right? It just does. You look at this. You look at this last back half of the schedule. They have six wins right now. I, I gotta say, thirteen is well within reach. Well, just lose one of those last games. I think thirteen is well within reach. Twelve certainly. Twelve and four, thirteen and three. You've got to be thinking that, unless there's some kind of major injury or or major change to this team. As long as they're not beating themselves, they should be. They should be right there. 
at the end of it. Uh, and this, you know, look, this team, like I said, coming out of Kansas City, right? That was the that was the blueprint. That was the end of the movie. That was what it's going to look like when this team is beating the best teams in the in the NFL um, in their place or or in the Super Bowl. They, but they've got to continue that. They've got to continue. They've got to continue improving it, and they are doing that. They are they are improving, right? The the Kansas City game uh, improved itself into the Cincinnati game. The Cincinnati game. Um, you know, we showed some things against Detroit, the kind of big playability, um, getting Juju more involved that I think we can continue to build on. And this team just continue improving into January. Um, and they, they will probably be playing in February. All right. That's going to do it for Steeler Country this week. Thank you all for listening. Finally, feedback, SteelerCountry at gmail.com. The website is Steeler Country Podcast. You can follow me on Twitter at Steeler Country. And I will be back on a normal Wednesday release of this podcast after the game against uh, Indy, that'll be what? Uh, the 15th of November, I'll be back. All right, see you then.